Welcome to the Maria Heller Show, on the net since 2000 and still going strong. If you feel like you're not getting the real news, if you feel like you're not connected spiritually, you have found your home. Maria covers a wide range of topics as only a snarky New Yorker can. Straight up, no chaser. No censorship, no corporate sponsors, thus true freedom of speech. Your subscription gives you unlimited access as a member of the smartest audience on earth. Relax and enjoy the education. Now here's Maria. Good morning world, Maria here alive and kicking. Welcome to the show. I have a special guest on the show. I can't believe he hasn't been on the show since 2016. Uh, but let me tell you a little bit about him and absolutely go into September 6, 2016 and listen to our other show. It's excellent. Gary Stewart, he's a four-time number one international best-selling author. He's a speaker, personal development expert for over 45 years. He's a protege of Bert Hellinger, a master constellation healing facilitator for over two decades. Uh, he's been featured on the Dr. Nandi show uh, globally for ABC TV, also with Brian Gallo at NBC Palm Springs. But I will tell you that I've worked with Gary personally, and he's wonderful. And I also want to wish him a belated birthday. I, good, good morning, Gary. Uh, I see. Thank see, you. Thank you very much. I see you just joined the uh, the over seven zero club. I know. I know. I can't even believe it. I feel so young at heart, just like you. We got a lot of uh, kicking and spit left in us, no matter what age we are. Right. Right spirits. Right. Well, my listeners call it piss and vinegar. So. Yeah. Exactly. Got plenty of that. Uh, today, I, I failed to mention, we're going to talk about your book, Raising Your Home Harmonious Child, 21st Century Parenting for a Positive Legacy. And I have to tell you, this is a book I think every parent should absolutely have, whether new parents, old parents, doesn't matter. Uh, and, and I really, really enjoyed the book. What made you write it? Uh, well, doing uh, family constellations for over 20 years, you start to see patterns in families. Of course, 99% of the people who come to me to do healing work about ancestral issues that they see repeating in their lives uh, were the dysfunction of what they experienced while they were being raised. Well, of course, if it passed down to my clients from the grandparents, that means that their parents or grandparents, those issues are being cleared rather than being passed down in the negative way. So I always pride myself in trying to find the gift in everything. And I'm, just to be perfectly honest and transparent, I was a victim of severe child abuse, but somehow that the positive side to that, even though I don't endorse that for anyone, violent child abuse, is that the tenacity, uh, the other skills that are developed from having survived your family system are actually survival mechanisms that are passed down in the crudest way possible. So what I wanted to do is bypass the pain that most people have endured, because we did survive it, so it did work, so I want to look at the blessing in that, but at the same time, do we really have to perpetuate the crude way of educating your child through fear or domination uh, to get the lesson? There's many other loving ways to do it without punishment, and uh, being a child of the 50s with Dr. Spock, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child, was the mindset of the 50s, which started to weaken in the 60s and 70s. So a lot of us uh, didn't have ideal childhoods, but guess what? We're still here. 
we did survive it, and it's in a way it's a shortcut not to uh, hurt your child because don't forget when they grow up and be parents, if they're heterosexual or gay adoption, whatever the case may be, they're going to pass down what was given to them to the grandchildren. Right. So why why not people start having great lives rather than uh, family pain to deal with years in therapy? Absolutely. Well, you know that's bare the rod crap comes from yeah. the Bible too. Yeah, that was all the belief system in my, you know, we right. weren't big Christians, but it was in the mindset of all parents, you know. No, of course Ooh. not. I remember oh. as a kid, if you, you know, if you were getting a beating or you, the kid next door was getting a beating, nobody called the cops. Everybody thought right. it was normal, you right. know. And, and, you know, you had teachers slapping your kids in school. Uh, you know, leave out the the nuns, you know. That's exactly, with the rulers and everything, yeah, right. absolutely. Right, and what does that do? To me, all it does is create hate. Yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I actually know people who, believe it or not, by the time they were 20, uh, hired a hitman to kill their father. Wow, yeah, yeah. I mean, you see some of those cases in the news, too. Or uh, a man, uh, there was one in Phoenix, actually, which really blew my mind, uh, when this is uh, before the coming book on misogyny, but she went to a judge, uh, she was domestic abuse, this was on TV about three week, about a month ago on the Phoenix channel, and she told the judge, I've been violently beaten, I do not trust him with our child, and uh, the judge, of course, ruled misogyny. The woman has no voice, and right. she let him have, and the first date he had with the child, he killed the child and himself. She went back to the judge to file a lawsuit against him uh, because he was forewarned how dangerous the man was. The mm -hmm. other judges, male judges, looked at it and said, oh, we're so sorry this happened. No yeah. charges against the judge for not listening to the woman, and she said, now I'm here as a mother of a dead child and a dead ex-husband because of your ruling. Right. Yeah. Well, those are common stories. You know, you get an Absolutely. order of protection and you get murdered anyway. The system is, you know, it used to be for the woman and now it's almost against the woman. Well, I can't wait for that book to come out because that's... Oh, yeah, yeah. That should be before Christmas. I'm sure, sure, that, I'm sure that'll trip... I'm sure that'll trip a lot of my triggers. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. But, you know, it's, it's, it's really, you know, if you actually look at sexism as taught uh, by our parents, mm -hmm. and then we grow up, then we wonder, you know, when I see little boys at a supermarket kind of hiding under their mother's apron, I say, how did this, how will this boy grow up to be a woman hater? What, what in the society allows a needy little boy to be just, you know, dislike the feminine? And it shows you the consciousness that we're taught by society that women are weak, women are inferior, men are superior, men are strong, women are weak. And all those beliefs sink into the children, then they start to act them out as adults. Of course, when they become parents, they transfer the same dysfunction onto the grandchildren, right. and the cycle just never stops. So well, yeah, now we have this new thing, <laughs> posing as men, calling themselves incels. Calling themselves what? Incels. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, I know, I know. what kind of crazy... In my day, you just said this is a guy who has no game. You know what right, I mean? exactly, yeah. But now you got them out there viciously hating women, talking right. about raping right. and killing women. Uh, yeah. I mean, it all starts, obviously, in your childhood somewhere. Right, exactly. And it's a cultural mindset in America, and that's what I also wanted to address that you have to look at every choice that you make with your child 
has a hundred years, do you think the people who survived the Holocaust, let's say in uh, Germany, knew that their choices or fears might reflect a hundred years after the event? And it's just, so therefore, you know, a grandchild of someone who survived the Holocaust might be in continual fear because rather than celebrating that they overcame Nazism and they're here because of that, they will focus on the fear and paranoia. Granted, it is uh, transgenerationally, um, or you could say epigenetically transferred into each generation. You know, it's almost like Pavlovian that, okay, my ancestors had fear of the Nazis. Okay, well, I'll grow up and I'll carry that same fear. Well, then you got the flip side of it. You got the rise of the neo-Nazis in America. Yes. And if you really look at most negative things uh, that happen to any child or in our society, uh, is I belong to the Southern Poverty Law Center, and they do maps of neo-Nazis, a little pictorial map of all the hate groups, whether it's homophobic, uh, neo-Nazi, and it's just absolutely shocking how it's hidden in plain sight. Right. You know, and uh, even in Arizona, I think it's in Chino Valley, and, you know, I just happened to be shopping, and I saw a guy with a big Confederate flag tattooed on his bicep. You know what I mean? Right. And it's, it's hidden in plain sight, so, so you've got to beware where you are, <laughs> not to instigate fear here, but most of these groups are actually operating from fear. I did a blog on my website, GaryStewartHealing.com, and all oppression, you know, uh, whether post-George Floyd, whatever, comes from fear. People just act out of their fear constantly. And you could say parents with children are reacting out of fear. If I don't teach my child this... Right, right. Be afraid. Well, you know, in the back of your book, where you have the essays, I'm going to call them essays, some of it's poetry, uh, by moms, and you had one that I felt was really touching, where it was, you know, the mother of a black child. Mm-hmm. You know, raising a young black son in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can only imagine how difficult that is because black mothers have to teach their children a whole lot of stuff that white mothers don't have to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the cultural fear that they could be attacked just because of their, um, you know, ethnicity. Well, you see uh, that. You see a, that too. That thing. Right. right. Well, you see that with the assaults on the Asian Americans. Right. Oh, yeah. And it's been absolutely uh, horrific. Some of the videos I've seen about, you know, even people of color kicking Asian and an old Asian woman mm. and like she was a dog in the street. You well, know I mean? you know, if you uh, get a world, just, if you get a worldwide pandemic and you have a moron in office who continues to blame it on Asia, mm-hmm. who continues to call it Kung Flu, China virus. They did it to us. We need to sue them for trillions of dollars. Right. And he ups that hatred and that fear. And here yeah. you have people just killing each other when none of them really even know the truth. I know, exactly. It's exactly. Very, it's very... And that's the biggest tragedy. Then you have to look at propaganda. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we could get that's a... whole other show. A whole other <laughs> show. Well, like, you know, I saw... Uh, I, I like, like you, I like to watch YouTube at night. I get a lot of news off there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I saw a very disturbing story about a nine-year-old boy who's being charged not only with mass murder, but arson as well. Wow. And this boy uh, decided in the middle of the night to set his family's uh, house on fire. 
Mm-hmm. Killing his siblings, killing his aunt, killing whoever the hell else was in there. Mm-hmm. And here you have a little kid, because he's, he's too small to even sit in a chair in court where his feet don't touch the floor. Right, exactly. Who doesn't even understand why he did what he did. And then when mm-hmm. I saw the, uh, the family members, uh, I saw, I said to myself, no wonder. Okay. Well, yeah, exactly. And think of how much implanted anger. Then you have to look at generational anger so that he might have been a little boy, but how much generational anger could he have been carrying with that much uh, vitriol that that was a logical thing in his mind to do, you know, in a, in a primitive little uneducated mind that the, he was so overcome probably with all the anger in the entire family system that he inherited, but that was the way he resolved it, you know, kind of on a soul level, which is kind of insane, but it just shows how much baggage children are given by their parents or grandparents. Yeah, but I look... A tragedy like that is logically... Well, you know, when I looked at the family, they looked unintelligent, to say the least. Uh, They looked like, you know... They just look like trash. I, I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, that's fine. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, how many beatings or how, you know, what kind of abuse did this kid go through? Mm-hmm. And then you see, I think it was the mother, who knows, they all looked the same. Uh, right. Saying, oh, well, you know, he was diagnosed as uh, schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's really a good boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. the excuses and-, and the alibis continue, you know, through right. the years. yeah. You know, I remember with my own grandmother, uh, I had an uncle who was a stone-cold alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And when he used to come home drunk, instead of saying, you know, he's drunk and this and that, whatever, she would say, oh, my son is sick, and she would just coddle him. Right, exactly. And then the alcoholism, of course, just continues down through the family line. Right, exactly. And, and generally, I never blame the substance. It's usually unresolved issues. Uh, what I find most alcohol and drug-related thing is this tremendous grief in the family system that was never processed, and then people start to drink to feel better, not to feel the pain, and then the the reaction to the pain starts to get copied generation after generation, which is generally, you know, drug abuse or alcohol or any kind of medication. Right. Well, now and you basically, look- once you get to the core grief, does the reaction of taking a substance to numb it have to be there? Right, right. Well, you look at how many little children, we're talking about, yeah. you know, two, three years old, who they already have on psychotropic drugs. Oh, I know, I know. And before their brains are fully formed, the human brain does not mature until 25 years old. So what if you have Ritalin and all these substances that are stopping brain development, how are they going to be as adults? Well, of course, Big Pharma has an answer for that, a new pill to keep you continually hooked on whatever uh you right, know, pharmaceutical, the right. newest drug coming out soon. I think it just got approved as for Alzheimer's, and they found it creates brain swelling and hemorrhaging in the <laughs> brain. So that's nice. I don't have Alzheimer's, but, you know, I died from a stroke. You know? Right, exactly. You know, it's, it's, well, you know, I think, uh, about, I think about when uh, Oprah interviewed uh, Prince Harry and Meghan. Yes, yeah. Uh, and when that show was shown in the U.K., the people in the UK weren't so much surprised at what they were saying, but shocked at how many yeah. drug commercials there are in America. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And they own media at this point. It's, it's so, here, yeah. so here you have a world where they tell you not to do drugs, but all they're doing is pushing drugs on you all the time. And for children, right. 
That's the worst possible thing you can do. Exactly. And what they say is, you know, you won't birth anymore, but you may get lymphoma or cancer, and if your throat swells and you can't breathe, call the doctor. They almost all say the same thing. So what part of the brain is being infected, uh, you know, affected by it? Right. And uh, the, the Harry and Meghan interview, too, what was interesting is he exposed the dysfunction of the royal family. He kind of humanized them and made them human, and they didn't like that because they like to be above everyone right. and I thought it was real I thought it was really good but what was laughable the next day is Prince Charles said there's no racism in the family right and t tell that to all the Congo Africans that were slaughtered or the Indians who were oppressed uh, and I just couldn't believe right they're in such denial of the British Empire not being racist it was actually laughable at how much denial they had that that doesn't exist especially when this whoever Asked what color is the child going to be like they knew in advance right you know? right right or you know people didn't know history uh, but, well, basically yeah but you know the more they keep digging up these schools in canada i think they're oh my under, God. i think and they're on the churches are being burned down all of a sudden well the churches uh, are being burned down they tore down a statue of queen elizabeth in the uk mm-hmm uh, but um, this is all hidden history, you know, it's hidden oh, from us. Oh, absolutely, and I think they've been, their churches are being burned down because they don't want to find any records or, yeah, so it's very sad, the, the amount, you know, and you would think Trudeau would focus on something like that rather than this lockdown and imprisonment of Canadian citizens unable to leave, right. to leave the country. Well, you know, yeah, it, it's... The other thing with Prince Harry and Meghan, uh -huh. uh, his, um, his great-uncle who gave up the throne uh, to marry the divorcee. Uh, and if you really look at, he represents the next generation of excluded princes. Uh -huh. You know, it's almost a direct copy of what his great uncle, when he abdicated, says, no, I want happiness in marriage. I don't want to be the next king when his uh, brother died. Uh, so you really look at a repetition of Harry being the excluded one from the royal family, just like his great uncle. So there's a pattern right there that he, his great uncle actually moved to France out of England, and now Harry, of course, moved to France by the beach, which is called Montecito, California. You know? <laughs> right, right. So you know, we see the results of uh, we see the results of bad parenting. In yeah. our leaders, you know, you just look at our leaders, you know, you could look at uh, George W. Bush, mm -hmm. uh, you know, his sister died, his parents chose not to tell him, uh, and huh. they went golfing that day. Yeah. Uh, huh. Then you look at Donald Trump, whose, uh, you know, father, grandfather, were all, you know, tough guy criminals wannabes, yeah. uh, who, you know, even when his brother was dying, he really didn't care. Yeah, yeah. It yeah, and the other thing is, you know, there was alcoholism in that family, and of course, you know, they, they swear against alcohol because they saw the effects of it. But, you know, somehow, and each family system is learning how to survive. The funny thing, interesting thing about Trump is, like, being born in Queens, he always wanted to be a Manhattanite. So you could say that he feels excluded from high society. So it's like trying to buy your way in Nouveau-Riche style. Right. There's, there's oh. always a deep insecurity. Uh, it seems, uh, you know, that gets transferred into the child and then they act it out. Look at me, I'm bigger, I'm bigger, I'm better. You know, I became the president of the United States, whatever. I became the king of England, whatever it is to compensate for that childhood pain that they never really resolved internally. So they try to externalize it by their 
stature in society or becoming a perpetrator to show how great they are. You know? All right. I mean, or I just... people, I have power. Well, you know, he was bullied and he yeah. became oh. the biggest bully in the world. I did have a <clears throat> psychiatrist on the show who wrote a fabulous book on the psychiatry of Trump and why he's the way he is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, as a parent, you know, interesting, by the way, I'm sure you've seen that a lot of... Uh, People are choosing not to have children. Uh, the uh, birth rate has certainly dropped, not just in the United States, but around the world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I wonder if collectively as a species we realize the planet can't hold uh, 10 billion people and we're backing up. Of course, there's economic reasons and not to mention the GMOs and the food and stuff and, uh, you know, all the the stuff that would not exactly nurture reproduction on Earth. But is it, you know, the funny thing is I was studying uh, about worm worm farming just to get good soil or whatever. Mm -hmm. I may experiment with it. And worms only reproduce for the amount of food they have. So if you look at that in the lowest of the low, wow. uh, there's an intelli intelligent consciousness. What if humans have the same thing? We know the planet can't sustain 10 billion people. Right. Right. And we're stopping now. Now, the fact that China now is allowed two and three children without punishment or forced abortion of girls, uh, it's just quite interesting that China's changed its tune of all the countries in the world who right. uh, just executed any as many females at birth as they could so the Chinese family could have that one boy who became a red Chinese soldier, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, yeah. it, it's created a gender imbalance in China. And the only thing they can really do, what I see, is have a war because they have 40 million men because they did infanticide of all the females. They can never find a Chinese girl to marry. So what do you do with 40 million men that you have in excess? You'd have to start a war to balance the population again, you know? Right. Quite well, they they also have a very aging population. Yes, absolutely. Uh, like a lot of like a lot of countries, so they're looking for new slaves to be born yeah, or exactly. abused. Uh, but let's get let's get into this book because I think everything we talked about is important to yeah. get into. How do you raise a child who's harmonious, who leaves well, behind I, a better legacy? Doing their own work and. Um, Basically, I gave, the book isn't like long theories or whatever, it just gives insights for people to think about the future effects. So say if a parent is cruel to their child, do they realize they're going to have a bad reputation for over a hundred years by the grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren, what a jerk grandpa was, right. or what an alcoholic, you know, or what a victim grandma was. So do people really want that to be their legacy? But there was a psychologist who wrote a paper, which is interesting. It said, you better be nice to your children because they will retaliate by not making you grandparents because they don't want to pass on the violence or dysfunction to another generation. So they will punish you by choosing not to have children because you did such a horrible job raising them. Right. Which is kind of an interesting approach. Well, I've met people who have said that that the reason yeah, they're not having okay. children is because their parents were so bad to them. And it wasn't to punish their parents. They just, I guess, don't want to have kids because they were abused so much. Yeah, yeah. And I felt that way at a young age, and I had a very violent childhood. I said, no, no. You know, and I love children, and everyone said, you'd be a great father, and I... And I, I love children. I'm like, you know, the uncle to many, many, many friends' kids. And a lot of people have come to my workshop have ended up 
you know, doing constellations on should I follow this relationship? And, you know, I can honestly say through the healing work I've done, uh, I've helped birth about five or six grandchildren and great-grandchildren over my career because they, we were trying to find the best romantic path for people to have a solid relationship. And sure enough, it turned out into so a lot of my clients say, I'm a grandmother because of you. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> uh, we were looking for the positive energy of a romantic relationship for their Mm-hmm. son or daughter right yes. if, if people want to know more about family constellations go listen to that show from uh, 2016 and get over to gary stewart and i've worked with gary myself personally he's helped me clear some issues that were not mine weren't even my mother's but turned yeah. out to be my grandmother's absolutely uh so you know there is uh, you know the book starts out with the forward uh there are no difficult children if a child shows conspicuous behavior, this is due to the entanglement with one or more family members who often died a long time ago. Now, that's a hard concept for most people to get. So yeah. can you explain that in layman's terms? Yeah, well, it's just everything repeats. It's like, you know, there's a pattern. Uh, the good news about it is we all wouldn't be here if the pattern didn't work. So it's almost like we were taught survival in the most negative way possible but then there's also a thing called what Sophie Hellinger has never endorsed one book that I know of and she was so impressed with this book that's Bert Hellinger's wife and uh, she was so impressed with it she feels that we constellations have to address the next generation not just the the adults or baby boomers that are seeking healing for themselves, but uh, the children that come forth from those relationships. And a lot of times when there's a family secret, one child will try to figure out what the secret is. Say they rejected, uh, and this happened many times, you know, uh, an uncle or a father is rejected for being alcoholic or a grandfather, so they exclude him from the system. That child coming into the family system is trying to figure out, why did they do this to him? Why did they do this to him? Right. And, and they might copy the behavior to keep the alcoholism going because they want to keep that dysfunctional part of the system or the hidden secret alive in the current generation. So what we find out is a pattern in the current generation. The pattern existed 10 generations before, and they are just the latest incarnation, so to speak, of the dysfunctional pattern. Mm-hmm. What if the people did their own work and, you know, either got some healing or, or saw that they're carrying grief or that the parents say, hey, we're acting out shit on our kids. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's go to therapy. Let's, let's do some uh, inner work. Right. But we're not sharing that with our children. That would be the same way to do it. But most people don't have the time. They're working two jobs to survive because of a repressive tax an economic system, the last thing they have time is for therapy or that kind of thing because it's generally about survival. Exactly. Well, you know, it's interesting. When uh, I lived in New York many years ago, uh, I chaired a tough love group. Yeah. And there were a lot of parents that had legitimate gripes. Their children were really like wild beasts let out of cages. Uh, and they had no idea how to handle their kids, but there were also a lot of parents that would attend that didn't couldn't even tell that this was just normal behavior for children. Mm-hmm. And I would look at them and say, "Were you ever a kid?" You know. And when I read in your book, um, uh, remember you were once the same age as your child. Uh, it reminded me of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can't uh, forget, but a lot of parents do for whatever reason, 
what it was like when they were 10, when they were 15, when they were 20. Um, they don't make the connection, you know, and they can't seem to relate to their kids on that level. Right, absolutely, because they're busy being what they think are, is good parents. And but the other the other thing is parents. <clears throat> even Mick Jagger, believe it or not, has had so many kids. He said children need boundaries to feel right. loved. So it's like when they know the parent is putting a safe container around them, even though they may bitch and scream, they feel safe because they know someone's looking out for them, not in a repressive way, but in a, in a caring way that, no, this is, this is, you may not understand why I'm doing this, but I'm doing it, and I'm the parent that the child knows they're loved. Sometimes even if they complain they didn't get their way all the time or get to eat sugar day and night, whatever the case may be. And it's like uh, a child wants the boundaries so they know they're contained in love and that someone cares about them. But basically, I mean, one of the basic human needs we all have, which is often unmet, is, is that somebody cares and loves us. And it's, you know, people may have the tough rules, but if it's not balanced with love, compassion, and speaking to the child, because don't forget, each child has its own wisdom that it's reflecting back to the parents. Right. And if the parents listen to that, they might say, oh, I have a little genius here. Let me engage in conversation rather than domination. Right, exactly. Well, I think parents, sort of like husbands and wives, they assume a certain role. They think they have to be a certain role uh, as soon as you get married. Well, now I'm the husband. I have these responsibilities. Or yeah. I'm the wife. I have <clears throat> these. Or now I'm the parent. I have to do this. I have to do that. And I remember watching my this beautiful man I had married uh, who was wonderful, and then we got married, and he slipped into all these roles. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And but he learned right. probably from his you know, either male lineage or female lineage and how to be a father. How to... Right, and I remember one day just looking at him and said, nobody asked you to be in these roles. If I wanted roles, I'd go to a bakery. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, but he was so deeply entrenched in the abuse uh, of his own family. Uh, that because he was abused and there was so much sexual abuse, physical abuse, mental spirit, every which way, uh, he became uh, unemo—he was emotionally unavailable to our family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, it was a sad thing. But he tried—not as hard as he could have—but he did try some therapy or whatever. But he f- figured out, you know, this is too hard. This is too long. I'll never right, be better. Exactly. And, and he just moved on to another family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing is the cultural pressure that males and females are under. Uh, that's why my next book is about misogyny, how it hurts men as well as women. <clears throat> they were not allowed to be functional human beings. We have to be in all these roles that society says you have to be X, Y, Z. You can't have feelings. You can't be tender with your son. Right. You know, whatever it is. Or, you know, you can be scared with your wife and tell her you're scared even though you're the father and slash husband. Right. Like society doesn't allow the humanness of who we are as humans going through say, our first time being a father or mother, to share the fears on that and whatever. It's like everything, the society programs us, so you got to be tough, you got to be strong, you got to deny your emotions and this and that, you know. Exactly. And That's crazy. That leads to anger or, you know, or, substance abuse or whatever. Or, right. Feelings or, or, that you or, cannot or, share. Right, or hire a hitman. 
That was, yeah, yeah, exactly. That was, that was like, the house down. But you know, it was interesting. <laughs> like days before the hitman was supposed to hit, that father went and apologized to his daughter. Yeah. That apology he did not realize saved his life. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's take a short break. When we get back, let's get into some of these tips in the book because I love it. So stay with us. Gary and I will okay, be right great. back. Our founders said that it is our duty as a free republic to be an informed citizen. To that end, Maria works tirelessly to inform you about all that is going on in the world and what you can do about it. She has never sold out or bought into the system. She's here just like the rest of you trying to figure things out. Thus, there is no corporate control of her work, just you, the subscriber. Maria offers many options to subscribe and all are free to choose the senior plan if your budget cannot afford the others. We're the ones we've been waiting for, so don't wait any longer. Subscribe today at MERIA.net. Okay, welcome back. I'm speaking with Gary Stewart on Raising Your Harmonious Child. And uh, you can check out Gary's work, which I highly recommend, GaryStewartHealing.com. I have a live link here. Gary, some kids, <laughs> myself included, were not exactly welcomed into this world with loving arms, okay? Absolutely. Uh, and some kids, like myself, <laughs> were reminded for many years growing up that I wasn't wanted, I was a surprise, yeah, I never had back problems before I gave birth to you, uh, yeah. and, and that kind of crap. So yeah. when I started reading your book, uh, right at the beginning, really, page six and seven, let your children know they wanted, no matter how they were conceived. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And I think a lot of parents will tell their children the same thing. You know, you weren't planned. Uh, I exactly. should have had an abortion. Uh, you yeah. know, the, the condom broke. Right, exactly, which is so demeaning, I mean, to, I mean, my mother was teaching me the facts of life, oh, by the way, we tried to abort you, you know, it's like, oh, really, you're teaching me what the facts of life are, now you're telling me this, and I was like, okay, I didn't even know how to handle it at that time, so I think kids, right. uh, luckily we have uh, either the innocence that it doesn't even register, it registers kind of on the soul level, but on conscious level, it's like, what the hell are they talking about, we didn't, you know, I didn't understand until I got into primal therapy and um, I wondered, you know, with all the violence that I encountered, were they making me pay because my father knocked up my mother and mm. they were afraid to do an abortion? Then I asked her how she tried to do it years later and it was like in the backseat of a car. I said, really, you couldn't go to a bathroom? I mean, it shows you how scared and, and stupid they were being, but... And I also felt at the same time that I had God as my protector, that all the drama that was created around my conception, there was a bigger force that was bigger than my parents right. protecting me, making sure that my presence was known in the universe, you know, as far as now is Gary Stewart, but I had a bigger protector that was bigger than my parents, and that really touched my heart deeply, that there was a bigger force looking out for me in spite of, it's like being born into cave people, you know, it's mm, like, right. to be born, these people aren't the brightest light bulbs in the marquee, but uh, I'll make sure you get, I'll make sure you survive it all so you can do good in the world, you know, right. on my behalf or whatever my fate or destiny was, that was the best training for me 
Right. Well, you think about, and I mean, in my family, it was the it was the usual. Whenever my parents complained about any of us, you know, whether we yeah. were too expensive or you know, uh, you know, it, it's cheaper to raise pigs, whatever they would come up with, we would just yeah. look at them in their tirade of complaints and say, "We didn't ask to be born." Yeah, we said that was our thing too. We would yell at my mother. We didn't ask to be born, you know, and she would be all all frustrated, or whatever. And now, as a more mature adult, right. you know, you realize the guilt that a lot of families connect through and communicate through guilt, and yeah. and that's a real subtle way that's actually pretty destructive. It's almost like a sideways anger, uh, guilt, and a lot of people. Uh, Bert Hellinger, my teacher, who passed about two years ago, this forthcoming September. And he said, sometimes the guilt is so great to do something different in your family that you stay in line because you don't want to feel guilty that you betrayed them. Right. And he said that is actually one of the biggest manipulating uh, things family do. They connect through guilt, and they will guilt you. Like what I heard you say about your family, listen to all the guilt there. They almost like keep you in line. You know what right. I mean? Uh, you're lucky you're even here, you know, and just the unwanted child stuff or, oh, you ruined our lives. Right, or, you know, you didn't finish your dinner. Right, you didn't finish your dinner. You know, children all over the world are starving. Yeah, exactly. Luckily, we were all smart, Alex, so we would just say, well, package it up and mail it to them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) And I often wonder why they, I heard... Yeah, kids are starving in China, which was true, but considering China wasn't really an open society in the 50s, I said, how did that get in the American mindset? you got to clean your plate. How much obesity has happened in America from kids starving in China in the 50s and 60s when that was set at the dinner table every day if you didn't finish your food? Exactly. Well, you know, you also get into infants, you know, and some people say, you know, especially with some of these new parenting techniques that are pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, where, you know, just leave the baby cry, you know, it's wrong to put the baby in the family bed, uh, you kiss your kid too much, you're loving them too much. Can you love a child too much? I don't think so. I think it's such a short period of time to be an adored infant or toddler or young child. I just think you can't, you should spoil them. A child should be spoiled. They should know their love. They should know they're adored every second. Think how, what a secure adult they'll be. They, wow, I was wanted, my parents loved me. How will that reflect in the world 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 100 years later? My, if a child knows down to the bones, my parents loved me, I was wanted. Uh, there were problems, but they always showed their love to me, you know? Right. And how would that child, how would that transfer to that child becoming a parent? That the love would be passed down generation to generation rather than the uh, antithesis of it through violence or neglect, which is some, sometimes, I mean, this is going to sound very bizarre. In some ways, I feel lucky I was beaten so much because I was touched with whips and straps. But I know you know, uh, upper middle class people who were totally ignored by their parents. They would read the paper and not even pretend the child existed. So I, right. I said, well, at least there was something physical going on in my right. abuse. At least they knew you were psychological. there. Right, even though they were kicking the shit out of you, they knew you were there. Yeah, exactly. Whereas somebody where they won't even look at the child and don't bother me, go in the other room, don't talk to me. Uh, that kind of abandonment. You're with your parents, but you're being abandoned at the same time. So, you know, in some ways I've seen deeper damage in those people because they have no reference point. Absolutely. I have some friends like that. They came from wealthy families. 
Uh, their parents basically had very little communication with them. They yeah. were told what they were going to do, what school they were going to go to, what they were going to do after they graduated. Uh, their whole life was mapped out for them, but they grew up without love. They grew up without music. They grew up without touch. Yeah, exactly. And they're, they're very lonely, unhappy mm-hmm. people with a lot of money. Right, exactly, exactly. And, you know, it looks by society, they had everything that looked right, the white picket fence, the two-color TVs, and two-color, you know, it was the perfect Ozzy and Harriet or Leave it to Beaver thing, but it's like the soul is empty. Right. That, that actually is probably more destructive because there's, there's no boundary that the child knows that they're connected to the parents. It's just the external connections are perfect, but the internal is the desert. And that'll cripple a child just as much as... Uh, as physical know, abuse. abuse. Listen, I, I've always said, you know, you get a beat and you have scars, you have welts, whatever from it. So you know you got that, you got that beating, okay? Yeah, yeah. But oh, when sure, somebody sure. beats you on a spiritual and soul level as a child, those mm-hmm. scars are invisible. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And I, be- and I believe... And they don't even have the reference point to deal with it. They just say, I always have this feeling of... Like, I'm nothing, you know right. what I mean? Like, like, they don't even have a reference point for their own body because they were totally ignored. So, you know, the suffering goes on either way, and other people um, just pass that on. Then they'll pass on, okay, you have a child I was ignored, and as long as my child has the perfect little, you know, uh, clothes and this and that to make it look like they're, right. you know, upper crust society, right. that that's uh, the shallowness of that. Right. Actually, the <laughs> next continues on and cripples the child isn't it? right well i don't mean to laugh but you know my whole family yeah absolutely <laughs> you've worked with me my daughter my son uh and i remember uh my daughter actually saying to me why can't we have a mother like everybody else because i was always involved and she would prefer that i'd be like one of the other uh neighbors mothers who you know throw some money at it and get out of the house Right, exactly, exactly. I was a helicopter mom before it was even invented. Exactly, exactly. Well, Bert Hellinger had another quote there. He had some very simple quotes, but they were almost Taoist, really deep. He said, uh, what did he say? Uh, children, uh, children complain and adults take responsibility. So if you really look at it, the adults we know that are always complaining or this right. and that, they're actually a victimized child as an adult complaining. If you're a real adult, you just take responsibility for it and say, I'm gonna make some proactive changes to make myself happy rather than blame everyone else. So children tend to blame because they might feel victimized by the parents. They won't right. let me do this, they won't, I don't know why I can't stay up to midnight, I don't know why I can't go here, can't go there. So they'll blame the parents for that, but that's part and part of the cycle. Right. And at the same time, as you grow up to an adult, you'll take responsibility for yourself in creating the reality you want to create because you're empowered to do so. Right. Well, I don't want to sound like a Pollyanna, but I've always believed that there were no such thing as bad children or bad pets, but there are such a thing as bad parents and bad owners. Yeah, absolutely. And the sad thing is that the parents may not see the gift in their child. So I also think part of the, you know, even though I never had children, I'm just the uncle to many, is like the child has to remind, does the baby come back to remind the parents or, or 
anybody in the family system that love can exist. It's still okay to love. It's still okay to be happy. It's still okay to be close. It's still okay to nurture our children. The reminder that we can have a fresh start and we can have a second chance and then even the parents get to have a second chance of their own childhood through their child and maybe give the child things that they didn't get. It might be overcompensation, but it might be a way for them to come to peace with their childhood because now they get to nurture somebody the way they wish they were nurtured. But of course, the limitations get passed down because they might not know how to nurture a child right. because they weren't nurtured. So therefore, the dysfunction on how to raise a child gets passed down. But nine out of ten times, most parents will say, I tried to do a better job than my parents. Right, you know, exactly. It's like trickle down. Exactly. They try to do it better, but more often than not, they repeat the identical pattern, thinking they're doing it differently, but they're really doing it the same. Right. Well, I will say that it gets a lot easier when it's your grandchildren, not yes. your children. Maybe because you're already practiced on your kids. Well, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is, it's the day-to-day stresses, making the sandwich. I don't like peanut butter. I don't want that. I want to go to school. I'm sleepy. I want to stay in bed. And that the parents have to deal with all that, whereas the grandparents just get the joy of the second generation. Oh, my, my granddaughter's so smart. My grandson is such a go-getter. Right. You know, it's like almost like the reward for your parenting, good, bad, or indifferent, really comes to the grandchildren. And that they, you know, they may, the kids may feel, wow, grandma, grandpa treats me so special but I can't, I, can't, I can't catch a break from mom and dad, you know? Well, the other side of it is I know many times my daughters remarked to me about it uh-huh. uh, because it's, you know, I'm always kissing and hugging and loving them up. Uh, as you know, Gia, she was never the kissable, lovable, huggable type. She was, she was just, she was born running and she hasn't yeah. stopped. Uh, but, you know, with a baby, it's so easy uh, yeah. to love them to kiss them up, tell them they're special. Uh, and I remember Gia was, she used to balk at me and say, you know, you keep telling us we're special, but when we get out into the real world, we're going to find out we're not. But mm. the truth of the matter is, you know Gia, she's out there and she is special. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, she is a go-getter. Right. Now, you talk about, and I think there's a movie, I think they're showing this movie on Netflix. I haven't watched it. I think it's just called Say Yes. And what's in it, your, oh, What's it called? I think it's called Say Yes. With, Say uh, Yes? Oh, okay. I'll with, have to catch it. I am not With uh, Jennifer Gardner. And the, the proposition, uh, proposition of the movie is to say yes for one day to everything your child asks you for. Mm, I'll, I'll watch that. Yeah, I did see a preview. I haven't yeah. had a chance to watch it. And yeah. I, oh, I, great. Yeah, and uh, I'm pretty sure in your book you have it where, you know, it's a good exercise to count how many times a day you say yes to your kid and how many times yeah. you say no. Yeah, well, I think psychologists have found, and it's been researched, that a child hears no like over 400 times a day with maybe three yeses. So think when, you know, as adults, we're psychologically aware, when we have a negative inner critic, where did that come from? It's probably the thousands of no's we heard. Everything we want to do is no, no, no. But there was no explanation why. So part of the book, I I wanted people to understand, tell your child why so they can learn. Don't just say no, I have the power, I'm mother, I say no. It's like, say why? Well, you could get hurt. Do you know how many kids die running across the street with the ball or whatever? And I don't want that to happen to you because I love you if the child heard the full explanation right. of what the no was about they would learn that the parent loves them through just stopping and talking rather than everything is yes or no right well i remember <laughs> i want to ask my mother why we got the same answer every time because 
And that was exactly. it. So now, you know, when my kids ask me why, I give them a soliloquy. <laughs> yeah. like, Debbie Downer, Debbie Downer. Okay, you can stop talking now. Because, yes, exactly. Yeah, because I always worried about something bad happening, you know. Right, exactly. And that, that's actually a sign of love that our parents are trying to protect us. But if the child doesn't understand what the possible negatives could be and why the parent came to that deduction, and then they would have more dialogue with the parents so they would understand that it is from love and care and not just a power play of yes or no. Right, right. The no outweighing. Yes, <laughs> I, I can't count how many times I heard because I said so. <laughs> like right, a, exactly. But you know, we had a healthy fear of our parents in those days, so we knew when right. you couldn't push it. And there, there's actually some goodness to that, too, because I've, I've seen some of my baby boomer friends have no boundaries with their kids. Uh-huh. The kids are like wild animals, you know what I mean? True. And it's like, it, there's almost the negative side. Some of my friends were in primal therapy with me, and, you know, we tried to do the opposite because we experienced that way back in the 70s. And then I look at some of the negatives coming out of that, of uh, not having any boundaries, and the kids uh, just kind of go wild uh, without knowing there's healthy boundaries. There was an interesting PBS special where they went into the Amazon, and um, they keep the, the men and women separate. Now, here's no Catholic church, no religion, no guilt of Jesus in the middle of the Amazon, this primitive tribe. And with, with, the funny thing is when the plane was landing, the house looked like two big breasts with the smoke hole coming out where the nipple would be. I mean, it was so, they couldn't see it from the air, but it was like they were living in the breasts of Mother Amazon palm fronds. <laughs> so they asked the, the guy on, on camera, how they raised the children. And uh, they said the women are trained by the mothers to learn how to cook and the stuff we hunt for, they will make meals out of it to sustain the tribe. And we take our boys out to teach them how to hunt and provide for the women. And uh, he said, when you don't do that, here's what he said, it always touches my heart. He said, we do this strict gender uh, teaching So our boys will grow to be the new trees of the Amazon. He said, if we don't do this, they will become wild vines climbing up the trees. This is the way they described it. And I thought, wow, here's a primitive tribe that can see that boys need nurturing by the males to grow into strong trees that will live a long time. And if they don't do that, so they had their own rigid stuff about teaching, fishing, that, everything else, you know, and the Amazon's not exactly kind when an insect can bite you or you could touch a leaf in the Amazon that has a poison in it that will kill you in five minutes if your shin brushes leaf. So it's really quite deadly there to survive. And the survival is, and I've had clients from the Amazon as well, uh, so it's just uh, quite quite interesting how mm. uh, non-Westernized culture views child rearing. Right. They want boundaries and strength to grow strong trees for the future. Well, you know, one of the other things you talk about in this book, which I think is super important, uh, is when parents divorce. Yeah. You know, I see so many parents and have seen so many parents use their children as weapons. Oh, I know. That's That's the saddest part of divorce, yeah. And children need to be told that the divorce had nothing to do with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that they're going to still be loved by both parents. But unfortunately, yeah. uh, even in my own counseling, I've seen a lot of people who refuse to let the natural father see his children, 
you know, or, you know, vice versa. And now I guess it's equal hate on both sides. Well, yeah, exactly. And that really creates an inner conflict in the children because here they have to, they love their creator, so to speak, and yet they have to take sides and be used as pawns in a chess game, which is really cruelty. That That's really cruel in the family system. And like the one I spoke about earlier in the show, the Phoenix woman, she knew uh, her child, that she was in danger with her husband, but the judge ruled against her, and now she ends up, you know, a widow with a dead child. So right. it's it's sad that people are that uneducated. Um, some of my friends that got divorced, the kids said they were about four years old when the divorce happened. They said, you know, Mom, if we weren't born, you and Dad would have been happy ever after. I'm sorry that we were here. Four-year-olds. I'm sorry we were, that we destroyed your marriage with Dad. That's very sad. Yeah, <laughs> and they knew this at four years old. This is how a four-year-old mind, they actually said that. Mm-hmm. If we weren't born, Mom and Dad wouldn't get a divorce. So uh, think of the burden on a four-year-old's right. mind right. to come to that deduction. Right, then think about that four-year-old as an adult, considering right. whether or not to have a child. I would right. say they'd probably vote against it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... How we treat our kids affects multiple generations down the road. You know, oh, I, I like in so your book, years. I like when you, say, right, when you say it affects the next seven generations. Well, everything we do affects the next seven generations, mm-hmm. including planting a tree. Absolutely. Uh, but Gary, you have so much good stuff in here, and it's such an easy read. There's no reason everybody shouldn't have this book. You know somebody Thank getting you. ready Thank to have a baby, buy it for them. Uh, you or just, your grandchild, you, or right. your daughter who's pregnant, or your 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 children who just became parents who right. some and shortcuts and just. To, right. I don't, wrote the book with it for love, just to teach people that they don't have to just go into an automatic reaction. They can think about their choices. That's for the parent or the adults to so think about your choice and what the long term effect will be. Absolutely. Well, Gary, thanks so much for joining me. Absolutely. I have a live event in Sedona. This is my first workshops in Arizona, so I'm going to be in Sedona. Uh, it's on my website uh, doing a, a men's uh, support group to get through some of these kind of issues of men and parents right. on the 14th and 28th. And then uh, an all-day workshop, an evening workshop intro on the 23rd and the 24th, an all-day constellation workshop right in downtown Sedona, across from Whole Foods at the Sedona Center for Harmony and Enrichment. Wow, that's great. So anybody want information on that, just get to Gary's uh, website. Well, yeah, it's right on there, top page. Mm-hmm. And uh, there you have it. Well, thanks so much, Gary. We'll talk oh, again. Oh, my pleasure hopefully, entirely. Hopefully, okay. hopefully sooner, than, sooner than later. Yeah, absolutely. All right, take good care. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Namaste. Namaste. Gary Stewart is one of a kind. He's got lots of books out, but this one's easy. It's fun. Uh, And maybe we can change the world by changing our children. And there's nothing wrong. You can't love a kid too much. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed today's show. It was a wonderful break from from this crazy world. And uh, again, thanks for supporting the show. If you're listening to Gary Knoll, why don't you come over and subscribe? We've got lots of good stuff here. You can all benefit from the senior discount. And I will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening and supporting The Maria Show. Tell others what you learned today. Knowledge becomes wisdom only when it's shared. Encourage others to subscribe today. www.maria.net Often imitated, never duplicated. 
A world of information all in one place. www.maria.net. Always ahead of the curve. Always on your side. Get active or get radioactive. Subscribe today.